Welcome to another edition of Food, Faith, and Feelings, brought to you from the Gwinnett Sonesta Hotel on Business Radio X. You can find us and all of our shows by going to businessradiox.com at the Gwinnett Studio. I want to thank Mr. Rick Strawn, who has been a dear friend of mine for so very long, and Paradigm Security, for being a part of helping us to be and uh, coming to Mike, whom I've known also for a very long time through the Gwinnett Chamber. It's been just super fun. Um, again, uh, I want to talk about attachment styles and how they impact our relationships. If you didn't hear um, our last segment, please go back and listen to that first before you listen to this one. Um, but first, I want to I want you guys to reflect back maybe, oh, 10, 20 years, I'm showing my age again, and listen to this gentleman. I deserve good things. I am entitled to my share of happiness. I refuse to beat myself up. I am an attractive person. I am fun to be with. Daily Affirmation with Stuart Smalley. Stuart Smalley is a caring nurturer, a member of several 12-step programs, but not a licensed therapist. I'm going to do a terrific show today, and I'm going to help people because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Are you a Stuart? I hope you are, even though it's corny and way back from those SNL days from the 90s, I think. Um, yeah, I love Stuart. And uh, so let's, let's uh, talk about um, what helps people learn how to be good enough smart enough and know that people like them. So uh, I, I was talking uh, last time about our developmental timeline and what things are happening in our brains as we grow. We dropped off around the age of three. The age of three to four is really, really interesting developmentally. I don't know if you guys know, but your brain grows from the back forward. So basically from where the brainstem hits the brain and there's this uh, inside underneath inside deep inside is our um, connection to uh, both sides of the brain memory formation emotional like that are where the emotional stores are and then the outside is basically called our neocortex and it grows from the back forward and so we are really functionally um, not an adult until our brain hits somewhere between 25 and 30. That means that our brain doesn't have the full functionality of adult thinking. And so if you have a teenager that's like 15 or 16, I want you to think about them as being half-baked. <laughs> sorry, a little joke there. But, um, sorry, not sorry. Um, but seriously, <laughs> they don't have the capacity to think and reason like an adult does. So let's go back to age three or four. So the front part of our brain, which is our prefrontal cortex, is where sort of ever the adult part develops. 
and everything sort of fuses together there. We have attention, we have our personality, we understand um, abstract concepts, we can think uh, about if I do this, then this could happen. So we have like planning and, and all kinds of things just converge there. Going back to the age of two, right? We are little parrots. We have learned how to speak. We know words. We understand um, no. We understand come here, mommy, dad. You know, we understand the basic things. There's a huge difference between a two-year-old and a three-year-old. I don't know if you guys have had kids, but it's almost like a, like a two-year-old will parrot back no. No, daddy. I don't want to do that. No, daddy. A three-year-old will look at you like, come at me, boy. I'm not doing that. Completely different in the way that they understand the word no. When they say it, they mean it. And so a three, something happens in the brain uh, between two to three, and it gets more developed around four. This is the sense of I. I am. I am a boy. I am a girl. I am funny. I am not funny. There are things that change. And so around this age, it is our nat most natural narcissistic time in life. Everything is that happens is because of me. We develop a self-concept in terms of how we're interacting with the world. My first memory, and this is going to make sense to a lot of you guys who know me, my first memory is around the age of three and a half to four. My parents were sitting, it was like a Saturday morning, they were laying in bed and I was at the foot of the bed and one of them said, Jeannie, will you go get me a Pepsi from the refrigerator? Well, it was in the morning and I was like, no, 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 that's not good for you. And they laughed. And so funny genie was born. <laughs> I distinctly remember this. And so this is um, a time of, it's really just, it's just a really amazing time in the life of a child. I know it's hell. Uh, I know they say the terrible twos, but I say the tantrum threes and the, is the, they're more terrible than two. Um, and if something bad happens during this time for example I treated a woman oh I don't know a long time ago 15 20 years ago and she was 28 years old and had this very very deep depression um, we call it uh, like a very um, she would go in and out of this dep depressive state a major major depression, major depressive episodes. I don't know why my brain's not thinking today, but she had major depression and she would cycle in and out of those. And so we started, you know, I started taking things back. Okay. So this is going to explain why therapists like to go back to your childhood, because there's a whole lot of stuff back there that people don't talk about. We worked for months on identifying things in her life and when th when she started feeling depressed and usually when someone says I've always felt this way I can't remember a time that I haven't felt this way go back before the age of eight 
and find whatever the tragedy or the the trauma is when she was she we got to a point where she remembered when she was eight years old that she was she was watching her parents talk they were in a fight and somehow that night they decided that they were going to split up and she was there watching them again she was around four years old she from that point forward remembered that incident and always believed that she as the four-year-old was responsible for her parents getting a divorce i want you to let that sink in so if you think that a child is not uh absorbing or remembering the things that happened to them especially around three or four you're wrong (laughs) especially if the child so thinking about that if there are major problems that happen um, during this time three or four years old a parent dies um, gets sick, has to go away, works, you know, like all these different things. This can impact if something major happens, uh, maybe a sexual trauma. Lots of, lots of people talk about being abused the first time around three or four years old. And I think a lot of people that abuse children don't understand that this is one of the worst times to abuse a child because they, well, I'm sorry scratch that there is no good time to abuse a child but they think they believe that they're not ever going to remember that and it the contrary it is so contrary to the truth because what happens is if somebody is receiving a negative like just negative energy negative treatment um, maltreatment from someone yelling at them hitting them anything like that they are going to develop a negative belief about themselves. And so last time we talked about the secure attachment style and the ambivalent attachment style. The secure attachment style says, I'm good enough, and so are you. The ambivalent attachment style says, I am not good enough, but you are. But you don't love me because I'm so bad. So now I'm going to go into um, the avoidant attachment style. The avoidant attachment style says, I am worthy of love. I am capable of getting the love and the support that I need. So I'm good. I'm okay. But the other person, you are either unwilling or incapable, not trustworthy, unreliable in meeting my needs and in loving me. You can't do it. So this is what makes us avoid people because we think that you know, I'm okay right now, I'm safe enough, but you're not. That's another attachment style. So someone that doesn't like to be around people um, because they think that people are going to try and hurt them. Then we're going to go into the disorganized attachment style. And this is where we... I I tend to treat a lot of people that have this disorganized attachment style um, because I'm not good enough and neither are you. And so the world is hell and we should just all die. So in the self dimension, I'm not worthy of love. I am not capable of getting the love I need without being angry and clingy. So there's lots of defenses that develop 
in order to protect the self. And so if I think that I am a, a bad person, I'm not good enough, I'm gross, I'm ugly, I'm whatever that negative thought is, not good enough, um, I'm going to do things to protect myself. And so I might, I might rage at you, I might get angry at you, I might um, think that the only way I can get uh, help and support is to demand it or to pay for it or lots of different things that way. The other, the way I see the other person is that you're not able to meet my needs. You're not trustworthy. You're not reliable. You're abusive. And furthermore, I, I deserve to be abused because I'm such a bad person. These, the, this disorganized attachment, um, it, it can look and feel very, very, very chaotic. And you may feel as the, as a friend or as a person that's trying to help them, that there is absolutely nothing that you can do to soothe this person. And there's a lot that says that that is actually true. The problem is, is that even, even these people in therapy struggle because as a therapist, I am trying to give them the best that I can, the best knowledge, the best information, the best care, the best responses to their thoughts and their feelings and the best support. And they will even believe that they cannot, I mean, I can't accept this. And so people that end up coming in that have eating disorders, that have addiction, that are suicidal, that have all these different things, this is part of why they struggle is because they don't feel good about themselves. They've never felt good about themselves and if you trace it back all the way back to you know five six three or four I mean they they really have had a very chaotic upbringing lifestyle um, and so they they don't have they don't have that sense of everything is going to be okay it's like yeah okay you can say that but there's some the, the other shoe's going to drop something bad's going to happen and I'll be caught off guard and that's not okay. I have to protect myself. So a lot of times people, when they have um, ambivalent, disorganized or avoidant attachment, their defense system. So if I want you to think about a house, right? You are the house. And then I want you to think about the fence around the house. All right. Fences typically have doorways. They, you can see through them. They might have two, you know, like um, some wood and then a blank space and another piece of wood. There, there's just, you know, lots of ways that fences are developed and built. But usually there's some way in and some way out. Think about that as the way that people can connect. And then I want you to think about people that don't have a good sense of self. And so if they don't feel like they're worthy, they might have rusty nails and like they may have their fence, their defenses. I, I'm, as I'm talking about the fence, I want you to think about defenses. The fence is falling apart and they don't fix it. They don't feel that they are worthy of uh, taking care of themselves. And so they might get themselves into um, a situation where they want to be loved but they end up being hurt or abused. 
So I want you to think about uh, people that have stronger fences, right? Like they have like six foot high, six foot deep concrete and steel fences around them, metaphorically. Those are going to probably be more of the avoidant type because they don't want anyone to get in there and hurt them. And then the uh, disorganized, they're going to have, maybe, maybe they don't have a fence. Maybe they don't have a way of protecting themselves. And so they might um, do things that are a little crazy, a little chaotic. But a lot of the times it's because there's a lot of unresolved pain inside of themselves. They have hurts they have wounds they they don't they were never taught how to protect themselves because they've always believed that they weren't worth it and so you might see erratic behavior you might see them get drunk and start doing things that are obscene or they might um steal they i mean there's lots of things that can happen as a result of them not feeling lovable and good enough. So for the people out there that are listening to this and you can think of a person that's that way, I'm going to give you a challenge. I want you to love them anyway. I want you to give them the benefit of the doubt. I want you to try as much as you can to love unconditionally. Now, I know how hard that is. It is, it, it is, is trying. <laughs> you can be tired. I mean, if this is your child, like I don't, it, uh, sometimes there are biological things that happen. Sometimes there's environmental things that happen. There's relational things that happen. But I want you to try to love them anyway. Be Jesus with skin on. I love Jesus. He is, in my mind, the, the most loving human that there ever was and so I want you to try and think about that person as a wounded child and love them and speak to them with respect and love and dignity and so I think I am done for the day this has been a lot um, I like to give little bite-sized pieces um, if you have any thoughts, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me on the Food, Faith, and Feelings um, Facebook page, and I'll be glad to uh, respond to that. If you have anything that you would like for me to speak on that is about emotion and behavior that is maybe not healthy, um, anything that's about psychology, um, please hit me up. Um, Anyway, I appreciate you guys listening. I know we went way deep, dove right in. Um, please listen to part one and then listen to this one. And um, we'll talk soon. So again, I want you uh, to please follow us on Food, Faith, and Feelings on Business Radio X or on Facebook. We also have a Vimeo page as well as a TikTok. So... I, this is Dr. Jeannie Burnett, and I will see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.